John chapter 15, verse 2. If you have it, say amen. It says, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he will take away. And every one that bears fruit, he will purge it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Father, be with me these next few moments. May I deliver a message that will deliver the listeners. Father, I pray that your heart would be transferred. We would connect with you. We would abide in you in all that we do. Father, we give you the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name. We all said, before you're seated, shake your neighbor's hand and tell them, the purge is coming. Then you may be seated. <laughs> the purge. Never seen the movie, but I've heard about it. And, um, you know, this is not necessarily the purge of the movie, as it is the purge of the Bible. Before there was a Hollywood film, there was a biblical story. And that actually holds true for almost every Hollywood film you could think of. Practically every film you've ever seen comes from a biblical standpoint of a principle somewhere in there. Good versus evil. That's been there since the very beginning of time. The purge, it's been here since John chapter 15 and even prior to that. Last week, if you were here, I spoke on abiding in him. Somebody say abide. And in the abide process, there was one point that I talked about, which was the purge. So last week was about abiding in him. Today, uh, I gave a, a point last week about the purging of the pruning process. Today, the whole message is about the pruning. The whole message is about the purge. See, the purge, the word purge means to prune or let it be cleansed by pruning. So when we're getting rid of something, it's not getting rid of, rid of something for no reason. There's an actual reason of cleansing. Somebody say cleansing. See, the pruning process is a very important process to the vineyard. Matter of fact, some people believe it's the most important process in the vineyard and that is pruning. Somebody say pruning. It's very important for the vine dresser that he would be a good pruner. He would know how to prune because it's very vital to the fruit that is going to come forth in the next season. If, it's a, if he is a bad pruner, then you're going to have bad fruit. Now, what I love is that we have the best pruner, that is God. God is the greatest vine dresser of all time. Can I hear an Amen. Now, after the Old Testament vineyard, which was Israel, they didn't do very good in his sight. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 4, What could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? In Isaiah chapter 5, verse 4, he says that. Now, what I've learned is that since that time, God has now said, You know what? I'm going to continually prune my people. I'm going to do it all the time. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 says, It is God which worketh in you. To will and to do of his good pleasure. See, he is working on us, on you and I, in order for us to produce fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. Fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. How many here want to produce much fruit for God? Okay, raise your hand one more time. How many want to produce much fruit for God? Okay, all of you that are raising your hand, then you got to get ready for the purge. See, some of you right now, see, I didn't raise my hand. That's exactly why I did not raise my hand. 
I don't like purging. No purge here. Well, this is the thing. Even if you didn't raise your hand, but you hold faith in your heart, then faith as a seed must grow, and every faith must be purged. That's the way that it works. Everything must be pruned. Now, this is very important. None of us here have been pruned literally, right? We've never been pruned literally. So it's very difficult for the spiritual framework for us to understand pruning. So that's why we look at the vineyard. Now, maybe some of us have a, as a kid were, were pruned. I know I was pruned as a kid because I was forced, forced into a barber's uh, uh, chair, and I was forced to get a haircut. Now, if you ever remember being forced to get a haircut, that's basically pruning because your mom tells you, get in the chair. And I'm like, I don't want to get in the chair. I said, no, you're going to get there. And if you were like me, I remember yelling and screaming, and my parents had to come hold me down. And the barber's looking at me like, oh, man. Oh, because if you move your head the wrong way, and the barber, that's not my fault. They were moving. They shouldn't have moved. Well, it's the same for you and I. When it comes to being purged or being pruned, don't move. Don't move. Just stay there. Well, I don't like this. Don't move. Because if you move, something else might get cut that wasn't supposed to. See, God knows what he's doing in your life, but you need to be still and just let God love you. God knows what he's doing. Can I hear an amen? So here we look at this analogy of a vine that is within you and I as the branches. Now, the first feeling of the vine when it gets pruned is the sense of relief. Somebody say relief. It's the sense of, ah. In other words, I needed that. I needed this kind of pruning. See, this pruning removes the dead wood that can breed disease and insects and makes the vine lighter and even more attractive. God does this for us. In our conversion, he removes from us our guilt and condemnation. In time, he cuts away the habits that bind us, and gradually, he trims our excess and teaches us moderation. See, God puts life back into people. When you get the life of Christ, you get the sense of, ah. Remember when you first got saved, you had that sense of, now, I would dare say, if you've never had that sense of, ah, then I would wonder, are you saved? Because when you're saved, you get some things that cut off, that you get the sense of, ah, I needed that. There's a lot of people that you come to church, but I don't know if you're getting cut while you're here in church. If you're coming to church and the word of God is not cutting you, you're not allowing God to be the vine dresser over your life. Because he has come here and he wants to cut you. He wants to shape you. He wants to mold you into his image. Can I hear an amen? See, God prunes away the old to invigorate the new. God prunes away the old to invigorate the new. See, I have a family that was just rampant with alcohol. It had the curse of alcohol all over it. There was more addictions, uh, drug addiction, gang addiction, prostitution, pimping within my family. There's so many different things within my family. But one that just kind of drowned our family was alcohol. It was a curse, and in some cases it still is. But I have an uncle of mine that was so bad at alcohol. I remember growing, I never remember him not smelling like alcohol. I mean, just alcohol. Every time I see him, hey, Theo, how you? Oh, man. Five years old, 
Six years old, hey, nine years old, I mean, I I didn't even have to look at him. I can hear the door open, and I could smell him. I could just smell him. Oh, man, just, you just smell just different alcohol over him. And then I remember the first time I was probably late into my teens, probably around uh, maybe even about 20, 21 years old. And the first time I saw him, he didn't even have to tell me he wasn't on alcohol. I could see it. I could see that he was what we would say, man, you look like a new man. There's something different about you. Why? Because when the old is gone, the new has come. That's how it works. See, some of you, you should be thankful for that sense of awe because you don't smell like alcohol anymore. You don't smell like addiction anymore. You don't smell like the old bad habits of who you were anymore. You have the sense of, ah, I needed that. I am now a new creation in Christ. Come on, if you're a new creation, give the Lord a hand of praise. It's the sense of, ah, I needed that. See, it's not, a lot of people come and they always ask me all the time, say, well, can I drink alcohol? Sure, go for it. But you never get that sense of, ah. You get that sense of, man, I need to drown out all this depression. That's really all alcohol is really for. I'm not doing a message on it, but I'm just telling you. I don't even have to look at you. I could smell you. I could, you could just smell it. See, some people think we're smelling alcohol. We're not smelling alcohol. We're smelling oppression. We're smelling hurt. We're smelling bitterness. If you want to get rid of that, allow God to prune you. Allow God to prune you. How many God has pruned of alcohol? Pruned pruned of addiction? Pruned of those? How many are grateful that God has pruned you here today? Come on, if you're a thankful people, give the Lord a hand of praise. God prunes the old to invigorate the new. John Augie once said, God brings men into the deep waters not to drown them, but to cleanse them. God brings you into the deep, not to drown you, not to mess you up, not to say that your life is over, but to actually give you a new life. He wants to give you a new life. Can I hear an amen? See, when God prunes you, God knows exactly what you're going through, and he gives you what you need. There's a whole lot of scriptures. Now, for those of you that are here, you are going through troubled times. I want to give you a word of encouragement. Matter of fact, I want to give you a few words of encouragement. I went through a bunch of words, and I said, God, there's some people that are going through troubled times right now. God, can you give me a few words? And so there's a few words that I want to give you. If you are going through it, I want to pray and pray blessings and speak blessings over your life. And here are a few words. I want to give them to you. Write these words down if this is you, okay? This is very important. If you're a tired person, for those of you that are tired, Christ says in Matthew chapter 11, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. To those that are burdened by sin and life's hardships, Jesus promises in Matthew chapter 11, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. To those who are troubled, God has a good word. It says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven and, in his mighty, and with his mighty angels. In John chapter 14 verse 6, verse 6, To those who feel lost, Jesus says that he is the way. In Romans chapter 8, To those who feel guilty, he insists, There is therefore now no more condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, To those who fear death, Jesus assures in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, 
at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this incorruptible must be in, on incorruption, and in this mortal we must put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. To those who fear God, that, that he has abandoned them. He says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. David also said, I was young and now I'm old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor their children begging for bread. For the Lord loves the just and will not forsake his faithful ones. To those who feel that God is angry with them, he has a comforting word in Romans chapter 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Those who feel God is unreachable are also told in Romans chapter 5, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So for those of you that are here this morning and you're saying, you know what, God is too far from me. I want you to know something. God is never far enough for your prayer. God is never far enough from your prayer. Well, you don't understand what I'm going through. I'm hurting. I'm broken. I have all these different things. My friend, open up the word of God, and he will show himself strong. He will show himself true to your life. You know what I love? There's a story in the Bible that it talks about where the prodigal son, he left. And when he came back, the Bible says that all of a sudden, he says, my son who was lost now is found. Let us be glad in our heart. He was once dead. Now he's alive. Let us celebrate. Let us celebrate. Let us celebrate. Listen, if you are here and you're feeling dead, I want you to know something. God has made you alive. You are not dead, but you are alive. You're alive. You're alive. Oh, but I'm hurting. But you're alive. But I got so much pain. But you're alive. You're alive. And with that alive comes a celebration. Can I hear an amen? The next step in pruning is to cut back. Now, the first one is the sense of, ah. The next one is the sense of, ouch. That hurts. That's not right. See, he cuts back the living vine so it will not, not waste its nutrients and moisture feeding the vine instead of the fruit. See, left to itself, the vine produces all kinds of growth, but not the kind of growth which bears fruit. The vine dresser even cuts away a whole bunch of grapes as they begin to form. If he feels more are growing than the root system can support, he'll cut it. He wants both quantity and quality, but he will not sacrifice quality for quantity. He will not sacrifice quality for quantity. See, God also cuts away some of the things that hurts us at times. Now, there are four tools to every vine dresser. I'm just going to give them to you real quick. I'm not going to elaborate on these. But there's four tools that every vine dresser uses. The first tool that he uses is his fingers to pinch off dead blooms. He uses his fingers. If you ever notice a vine dresser, when they go to the vineyard, they have the gloves and they put on the gloves. And if they'll begin to touch and they use their sense of touch. They, they touch it. They'll take off the gloves, and they'll begin to touch it. And then if there's something there that doesn't belong, oh, there's a, there, in other words, there's a fruit in here. It looks like fruit, but really it's dead. I need to pinch it. I need to get rid of it. Now, 
I don't know about you, but when I came to church as a kid, my mother used to make sure that I was going to pay attention. You know how she would make sure I would pay attention? The spirit of the crab. Oh, you're going to listen. And she would just, there's like a little area in there that God designed just for mothers. That mo- like, they could do it without looking. Go, oh, my son, he's... Like, how did she see that? How did she see me getting out of line? How did, how did she know? How did God know that I wasn't paying attention? How did God know that I wasn't looking to him for my answers? How did he know? Oh, God knows. God knows. He wants you alive. And if there's anything on you or around you, inside of you, that looks like it's growing, but it's really not, it's dead, he'll cut it off. And he'll pinch it to make sure it's out of And pinching hurts. If you're here today and you walked in going, ah, that hurts, it very well could be God saying, okay, okay, I'm going to let you go, but are you going to pay attention? Yes, God, yes, God, I'm going to pay attention. So if I were you, I would pay attention. The second tool is he uses clippers for selective pruning and removing a spike or rogue shoot. In other words, this tool gets to specific areas in order to make sure your fruit, or excuse me, to make sure your growth doesn't kill your future fruit. That's what clippers are for. They get in there into a specific area to make sure that you don't kill your future destiny, whatever it might be. You know what those are? You know what I call them? I call them a discipler because they get in there. And they, hey, what's happening? How are you doing? Is everything okay? Everything's fine. No, it's not. (laughs) Stop lying. Come on. Let's deal with some things. Let's talk about some things. See, you choose who disciples you. And it's your choice. Now, the thing about it is that that's why I've learned many times many people don't want a discipler because discipling hurts. Discipling hurts. It's a harsh thing to be able to open up your life and say, go ahead, cut away. Most people are like, no, don't touch anything. Don't look at me. I like the way that I am. Well, if you want to be made into the image of God, you got to, okay, God, do what you want. Here I am. I'm your open and broken vessel. Prune me. The third tool that a vine dresser uses, that he uses shears to shape plants for a well-rounded appearance. Many people say, I want to look like Christ. Well, if you want to look like Christ, are you looking at Christ? A lot of people, I want to look like Christ. Okay, well then look at Christ. See what he looks like. Because if you want to look like him, then you're going to look at him. And when you look at him, some things are going to be shaped around you. In other words, you're not going to look the same way that you did way back when. You're going to just look a little bit. Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a purge in my life. That's what it is. That's why a lot of people say, oh, man, you guys go to church and you have to dress up. No, you don't have to dress up. If you don't want to dress up, don't dress up. I just dress up because, hey, I just want to, I want to do my best. Yeah, yeah, I just want to look a little, you know, change. That's all it is. It's a redemption lift. Hey, I've got something new. 
I don't dress like this every day, but just on a Sunday, hey, I just I want to do my best. Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. That's all it is. It's just a brand new, fresh feeling. It's a well-shaped, and Jesus has sheared my life. Prayerfully, he will shear your life. When you go certain places, can people see the appearance of Christ on you? Can they see that about your life? They should be able to. The other day we were at uh, Nation's Hamburgers. I shared this story before. And we were outside. There's a bunch of guys. A guy walks up to me. There's about 20 of us. And we're all just talking. And one guy just walks up to me. Now, I wasn't dressed in a suit. I had no suit on. Matter of fact, I think I had a beanie and a jacket. It was cold. And the guy just walks up to me. He goes, hey, are you Pastor Estella? You Pastor Steve? I go, yeah. He goes, oh, you're Pastor Steve's son. I go, yeah, that's me. And then he began to share his testimonies in a brief synopsis he goes hey I just want you to know if it wasn't for your father I, I wouldn't be alive now the thing is I hear people say that all the time oh okay but he goes no 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 I'm serious he goes your dad actually came into my house when I was supposed to be taken and my parents were on drugs it was a really bad situation he was explaining this situation to me this whole thing and he goes your dad literally took me out and if your dad would have did that I'd probably be dead I was like oh wow my god that, that really got me. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying, man, thank God that I can still walk around and people can see the image of Christ around me. Honestly, say, man, you're still holding. That's, that's good. I can see that in you. Thank God. Because wherever you go, people see the light of Christ around you. That's what you want. But in order for that to happen, you got to get pruned. The fourth one and the last one, I won't get into this one too much, but he uses a saw to cut heavy wood to restructure the plants. The saw takes restructuring. In other words, yeah, I ain't liking this. Let's cut the whole thing down. We just got to cut the whole thing down. And I think guys who come into the home for the second or third time understand, yeah, let's just cut the whole thing down. All right? Sometimes it takes a few times. Uh, cut it down. Oh, no, I uh, cut it down. Uh, just cut it down. Now, why is pruning important? You know why pruning is important? Because pruning helps us be more spiritual. It helps us to see who God really is. See, when we came to Christ, many of us brought baggage from our old lives. I'll say amen for us. Amen, Pastor. We brought old habits. We brought old ways of thinking, old attitudes. Our old ways of even thinking about ourselves or even about others. We brought baggage. So because we have all this baggage, pruning helps us to see things spiritual. See, the vine dresser is set to work by cutting away anything that does not look like Christ. As time progresses, he chastens us to make us more fruitful. Amy Carmichael wrote this. She said, a wise master never wastes his servant's time. A wise master never wastes his servant's time. Listen, I don't know about you, but I want you to understand something. God never wastes his time with me, and he never wastes his time with you. See, what you're going through right now is nothing more than an education process. Nothing more than a learning process. Nothing more than getting rid of looking at the world and putting your eyes on Christ process. It may not feel good. It may not even look good. But my friend, he is always good and he is always your vine dresser. He knows what he's doing within your life. Can I hear an amen? See, there are some mountain heights of spirituality that can only be reached by going through the valley of suffering. 
See, hard times builds good character. Suffering is an effective teacher in the school of life, and some lessons are only learned at the feet of, this, of these lessons. See, this is why dedicated Christians often have to go through suffering. Suffering isn't pretty. Suffering doesn't feel good. But my friend, it's the authentic hallmark of every Christian disciple. It's the authentic hallmark of what you and I, that's why it's very difficult so many times. Listen, God is totally into prosperity. He is totally into prosperity. I'm not against the prosperity gospel as long as you're going through the pruning gospel. Are you hearing me? That's very important because a lot of times, I want to make this very clear because a lot of people, they have this anti-thing against men like Joel Olstein and different preachers like that because all they preach is the prosperity. Listen, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. God is into prosperity. But you want to be prosperous? First go through pruning. Go through pruning. You have to go through suffering. There must be a valley of suffering in order for the pinnacle of prosperity. That's how it works. I want everybody here to be prosperous. This church is no good if you're not blessed. Did you know that? This church is no good if you're not blessed. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken or the seed begging for bread. The righteous give freely. They learn how to do that in the valley of suffering. See, that's where the pruning comes from. If right now, if you are in a state of suffering, know that, hey, God knows exactly what he's doing within your life. It may not feel good. It may not look good. But God knows exactly what he's doing in your life. It's the pruning process of the valley of suffering. See, another thing that pruning does is that pruning tests our faith. Pruning tells us whether we are made of gold, silver, precious stone, or we, we are made of wood, hay, or stubble. See, my friend, the worthiness of a ship is not determined while it lies in the harbor, but only when it rides through the waves of a storm. See, our faith must be tested in the storms of life. I heard this true story. I want to share it with you. It's a story of a man during the Great Depression. This man, he had lost his job, and he had exhausted his savings and forfeited his home. His grief was multiplied by the sudden death of his young wife. The only thing he had left was his faith. One day he had combed the neighborhood looking for work, and he stopped by to watch as men did some stonework on a church building. One was skillfully chiseling a triangular piece of rock. Not seeing a spot where it would fit, he asked the man, where are you going to put that? The man pointed toward the top of the building and said, see that little opening up there near the spire? That's where it goes. I'm shaping it down here so it will fit up there. Tears filled the hurting man's eyes as he walked away thinking of the words of everything that he had just went through. Shaping it down here so it will fit up there. The things that you're going through right now, God is shaping you down here so you're going to fit up there. He's chiseling you right now so you're going to fit up there. I know it doesn't feel good. I know it doesn't even look good, but I want you to know he's chiseling you down here so you can fit up there. So that way you can walk up to the gates and you'll be able to hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, my good and faithful Juan, Dewan, Jose, Frank. Well done, my good and faithful Will, Alina. Well done, my good and faithful Chris. Well done. I chiseled you down here so you can fit up there. Everything you're going through down here is for a purpose 
His ultimate purpose up there. The third one and the last reason why pruning is important, and I end with this, is that pruning, I love, this is my favorite one. This is my favorite point right here. Pruning makes heaven more attractive to us. Pruning makes heaven more attractive to us. See, right now, if heaven is not attractive to you, but a Bentley in your driveway is attractive to you, then you haven't been pruned yet. If a $500 an hour raise is more attractive to you, then heaven, you haven't been pruned yet. See, that's why there's so many people just going after the blessings of today, not looking forward to the pruning of today for your destiny of tomorrow. Now again, I believe God wants to bless you. I believe God wants to prosper you wholeheartedly. But don't take away the pruning for the prosperity. That's very, very important. Somebody once said that it is through our tears that we see farthest into heaven. It is through our tears that we see farthest into heaven. Perhaps Paul, the Apostle Paul, suffered more than any other New Testament Christian. But he also seems to be the one who's more attracted to heaven than anyone else. In Philippians chapter 1, he says, For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Man, I get to live here. This is great. This is awesome. I get a family. I get children. I get a brother. I get a sister. I get a house. I get a car. Oh, this is great. But guess what? I get to die. See, some of us are looking forward to death like, oh, man, I don't want to die. Our old victory band used to sing a song that says, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. See, when you're pruned, you're like, hey, what, when do I get to go to heaven? When, man, I cannot wait to see God face to face. Listen, we're only on this earth a fraction of forever. And I don't know about you, but I don't like fractions. I want the whole thing. The whole thing is, see, when God prunes you, heaven looks more attractive. Like, man, this is great. And then when you get that and you understand the call of God, you're looking forward to bringing heaven to earth. Say, man, I get to answer the call of God while I'm here on earth. Can I hear an amen? Even the apostle Paul says, if I am going, if I am to go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. See, my friend, if vine branches could speak, they would eventually rejoice at how they look and how much fruit they could produce. See, pruning hurts, but it also helps. We may not enjoy it, but we need it. At the time, it hurts when we remove something that is precious from us, but as the spiritual crop is produced, we see that the Father knew exactly what he was doing. The end of the process produces a self-satisfied yes. This is what I needed. The other day, I went to get my, my haircut. And when I go to get my haircut, there's this chair here. And I go to get it in like this salon area. In other words, there's one barber's chair, you know, for guys. But then there's a whole different chairs for women. Now, women and men, our hairs are much different. Praise the Lord. Amen, Damien? Amen. For those that are listening on the podcast, Damien has no hair. 
<laughs> but he's got a lot of heart. So when I go to get my haircut, so the other day I went to go get my haircut. Now for me, I just go in there, I sit down. Done. And I'm like, cool. I'm out. See you later. But I remember I was sitting there, and I looked to my left, and I see all these women. They got, like, foil in their hair. They got all this. And, the, and some of them, it looks like, you know, they, they got, like, pippy long stocking all over the place. And they got the, some have, like, different colors. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know you can have a rainbow in your head. And, you know, they, and they got this and that. And, and the thing, they got all these aprons. And the thing about it is that they're just up walking around like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, oh, my God. Oh my God. What in the? Uh, stay in your lane over there. I feel like, man, because it's, it's scary. It really is scary. Like, what in the world is going on? But this is the thing. I'm looking at them in the middle of the process. That's what I'm looking at them. The middle of the process is scary. The middle of the process, there should be only one person touching your hair. Just one person. Too many people getting involved, you're not going to like the end result. Just let one person do it. So when the process is done and they're all done and they blow dry, it, oh, beautiful, hair flowing. See, in the middle of it, you may feel like you're going through hell. But when it's all said and done, you're going to like what you see. Heaven's going to look a whole lot better. It's going to look really good. Pruning's not that. It doesn't feel very good. It hurts a little bit. hurts on your left. It hurts on your right. But my friend, the end result is heaven. The end result is beauty. The end result is majesty. The end result is greatness. The end result is intimacy with God. That's the end result. It may not feel good right now, but my friend, God knows exactly what he's doing in your life. It's a beautiful process. It's a beautiful happening. See, my friend, the pruning doesn't last just for a day, a week, or even sometimes a year. The pruning sometimes lasts a lifetime. We can never say, well, I already went through that. I've been there. I've done that. Actually, no. You've been there and done that, but you've never been here done this. This is a whole new pruning process. Oh, no, 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 but I already went through this. Okay, well, you may have went through that, but that was for that time. See, remember, if you were here last week, I, I shared with you, every vine dresser has to go and go to the grapes and go to the fruit and he must go twice a year. Actually, he has to go sometimes once a year, but twice a year. He has to go to make sure that if he's going to produce next year or next season, I got to check it this season. And guess what? Once you produce fruit next season, we're going to do it all over again. Every year, this must be done. Every year. Now, some of you are saying, well, pastor, why are you preaching this message? A couple weeks ago, you preached about things that need to get out. we got to tell the pride to get out. we got to tell laziness to get out. Now, last week, you said abiding in him, and we got to cut things out, and we're cutting more stuff out. Now you're talking about pruning. Why am I talking about this? I'm talking about this because 2018 is coming. 2018 is coming. And if you're not prepared for the pruning process, you're going to do the exact same thing you did from 2016 to 2017. And you're going to look like the same Christian that you were. And that's why when you come to church, church is dead. No, church isn't dead. You're dead. 
There's blooms on you that are dead and they're dragging you down, but you're not letting God pinch them out. Get rid of those things. You guys say, God, get rid of this. I don't, I don't want to be the same 2018 that I was for 2017. I don't want to be the same man. I don't want to be the same woman, the same husband, the same wife, the same son, same daughter. I want to be a child made in the image of God. Come on, if you believe that, give the Lord a hand of praise. Somebody once told me this, and man, I remember this. The greatest harm that God can ever do is to leave us alone. I'm going to let that one sink in. I, I, that hit me like a ton of bricks years ago. The greatest harm that God could ever do is to leave you alone. And many times we cry, God, why? But I'm pruning you. Oh, no, this hurts. Leave me alone. Okay. God's a gentleman. He'll do it. But if you want pruning, it's going to come in there. See, you and I must keep his commandments. We must be able to hide his word in our heart that we may not sin against God. John chapter 15, verse 10 says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. There's a story of a little boy. He was furiously riding his tricycle around the block over and over again. Finally, a policeman, he stopped the boy, and he asked why he kept going around the block. The boy said he was running away from home. He was mad at his parents. But the reason why he kept going around the block is because he was told never to cross the street. See, see, my friend, even when we feel like running away, if we remain obedient to God's word, we will never stray far away. And we'll keep coming around to God who loves us. I know you may not feel good. Oh, this isn't, oh, and you're trying to run away. But just stay obedient to God's word. Just stay right there. You're going to come right back to God's love. You're going to come right back to his open arms. You're going to come right back to him. No matter how you may feel, it may not feel good, but be obedient to God's love. If you are obedient to him, you're going to abide in him. Man, I can't tell you how many times I've gone through things and I'm like, man, this hurts. I just want to go away, but I must stay obedient to his word. Got to stay obedient to him. It hurts. I don't want to. Don't want to stay here. Don't want to go there. I don't want to say this. I don't want to not say this. I want to do my own thing. That's how I feel. And sometimes I get on my own tricycle like a little kid. I just go around the block. I don't get out of here, man. Stupid man, stupid over here, dumb leader. What's wrong with this man? Who do you think he is, man? He don't know me. They don't know me. Why do you keep going around the block? Because I'm not supposed to go away. I have to stay obedient to God's word, man. Get away from me. Stinks right now. I may be foolish in certain things, but I'm always going to be obedient to God's word. Some of you, you may do foolish things, stupid things, dumb things. Let's just call them what they are. Ignorant. All right. But just stay obedient to God's word. The moment you come back around, his arms are still going to be open. He's still going to love you. still going to care for you. See, God is the greatest vine dresser of all time. He knows exactly what he's doing. Some of you here for 2018, if you don't want to have the same 2017, then just open yourself up and say, okay, God, prune me. Do what you want with me. Use me. I'm here. 
I'm made of gold, I'm made of silver, I'm made of precious stone. Okay, but then here's some fire. Ah. So he comes to the piano. Right now, we're praying for...